And away we go. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone, as always. Special guest today, but first, baseball season's back. Holy Grail. That's what you do, right? Go to the ballpark. Go to the Holy Grail before the game. Get some food. Enjoy yourself. Go to the game. Hopefully the Reds win. That's not looking great right now, but (laughs) hopefully the Reds win. You go back and you celebrate post-game at the Holy Grail. They have been uh, longtime partners, longtime sponsors uh, here at Bearcat Journal, and they are awesome, awesome UC fans, and they deserve your support. So get to that. And, and Dave, a little later tonight, we have a new sponsor. Oh, okay. I'm the assuming it's stamps. like f- food or beverage related. The timestamps are now sponsored. Oh. And they are sponsored. We have a beverage sponsor for the timestamps so Wonderful. we will we will get to that here a little bit later in the show but let's get rolling we have a very special guest with us tonight to kick off the show uh it is spring break we didn't have there's no there's no spring football to talk about uh so we figured this would be a better what better time than to have our good friend cincinnati athletic director john cunningham join the show john welcome and uh how are you enjoying this lovely spring weather that has uh, ascended on Cincinnati this week. Uh, thanks, thanks, Chad. Good to see you, David. Uh, it, it was it was great. I um, I purposely tried to get home a little bit earlier than I usually do because I knew my boys would be out playing in the yard and came home. They were playing with their buddies and they had their shirts off, so they they thought it was uh, shirts off weather. For, <laughs> so um, got to play a little hoops in the front yard with them. So it's it's awesome. It's um, it's you know. When you're when you're a basketball fan like I am, just in general, it's it's the best time of year. Obviously, we wish we were we were playing in the tournament, men's and women's tournament. But um, uh, I, I laughed the other night. It's it's that time of year where every big basketball fan asks the question, "Where in the world is True TV on my television set?" And you uh, you got to find it. So I had that on tonight, and, and here we go. Well, Aaron's probably on on pins and needles watching the alma mater play right now. Hey, Aaron's the right state guy, so. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they It was close at half. So that's actually uh, eight, eight. I had a chance to uh, go to that event twice. I was at Boise State. Boise State played in it two out of three years, and it's actually a really fun, fun deal. If anybody has a chance to get up there, it, they do. They do it right up there, and uh, uh, it's it's a sneaky good event. For sure, for sure. So with with basketball being over, there's never a in your world. I assume there's never a quiet time per se but basketball's over baseball in full swing we're still a ways away from football what is kind of your your world looking like right now what are the are the big things that that you guys in the athletic department are are working on yeah i mean it, it it's funny there's this thought that there's some sort of kind of a break after after basketball season ends but but to be honest the majority of our student athletes now are are ramping up into their championship season so it's uh it's a good time to focus in on on them and and their efforts to compete and win championships and so obviously uh women's lacrosse and tennis and and um baseball and track and swimming and diving coming down toward the end of their their season so uh all golfs of course going strong so it's just a it's it's an exciting time of year for for them to uh you know put in all the hard work that they do throughout the year to finally get a chance to compete in games and contests. So that's, that's what we're focused in on. I guess that you bring up a good point in that 
you know, basketball, football, they're they're the headliners. We all understand they're the, the revenue drivers. But since you've been here, what have you seen and where are you trying to elevate the I don't want to call them non-revenue sports, but the the not basketball football element to continue to build those sports to get those to the highest level possible as we, you know, at some point enter the Big Twelve and, and know that a lot of those sports there are are uber competitive and, and winning national championships and things like that. Yeah, I think it always starts with recruiting, David. So we're always looking at at ways we can support our head coaches in their recruiting efforts. Because if we get the if we get the best, um, and I know we have really good coaches, then we're gonna we're gonna compete and win. So um, try to help them with with those things. You know, right now one of the things that we we focused in on as we head to the Big Twelve. Um, you know, we we hired a in in house. Uh, clinician to help with our mental health. So um, we, we had someone that just started here and, and she's been fantastic helping us with that, Lanisha. And then we also have really focused in on our nutrition elements too. So uh, we feel strongly that those were two areas that we needed to, to get a boost in as we go into the Big 12. And they are directly associated with the, the student athlete experience, which then translates into uh, helping our recruiting out in all of our sports. So, um, you know, I think I think I, I probably start there with recruiting and then I'd also, you know, look to our external team, our marketing group to help out where we can with with uh, attendance at, at all of those events. You know, they they deserve our fan base, our tremendous fan base to come out and support them. And um, my experience is that when when our fans do, uh, they really enjoy it. And, you know, it's a different experience. It's an experience where you can you can have really close connection with the student athletes that are performing. Um, so we really encourage our, our fans to come out to volleyball, to come out to soccer, lacrosse, baseball, obviously had a great, great night the other night with a full house playing Ohio State um, and all of our other sports, too. So uh, we we're really trying to push that uh, as well. It's got to be encouraging to see baseball the way it's the attendance has spiked to start this season because it's a it's a great venue. Uh, there's not a bad seat in the house, and they've got a pretty exciting product. Uh, so it's got to be cool to see that like start to ignite a little bit and, and see the fan base get behind Coach Guggins and his team. Yeah, it, it's awesome. I mean, I, I think on a nice night going out there and watching some baseball. Um, is, is just about as good as it gets in college athletics, to be honest with you. And, and um, you know, we we sell beer and, uh, you know, that's one thing that, that is unique for our experience for college baseball. And, um, you know, I think I think our, our professional fan base is used to being able to go out for for a, a hot dog and a beer at six o'clock at night and watch some baseball. So why not do it and uh, do it for uh, a lot less money than you would for the Reds. Reds have a great product as well. There's, there's a place for that, but I think there's also a place for going to uh, watch your local college team play as well. And, and it's a fun brand of baseball. You're going to get a lot of runs as we've seen all year. Uh, and uh, it's, it's always, a, always a good time to watch some college baseball. As we still don't really know officially when the move to the big 12 is going to happen. Can you give a, you know an update on the day one campaign, where things kind of sit right now, and and what phase you guys 
are kind of in in that process as we've it's been announced for quite some time you've been fundraising for a while where where are things now can maybe compared to where they were at the jump yeah so we've, we've made a lot of progress we've had a really good uh several months and and actually a really good couple of weeks the last two weeks have been tremendous uh for us fundraising wise um and so you know i i give a lot of credit to our ucats team across the board um you know, we, we have got some tremendous fundraisers, Karen Hatcher, Brad Ockel, um, you know, Mark Berger, that whole entire group down there. We just hired um, a guy named Michael Thomas that, that was at Minnesota with me. Uh, that's going to be really good. And, um, and you know, we just have a, a good core group that's out there trying their very best to raise some money. And um, so we're getting in front of everybody. That's, that's, that's my constant statement. Um, I think I was with when I was with Chris Del Conte, who's the AD at Texas. He used to call it icy hot, constant heat. So we're going to have some constant heat on people, and um, we're we're getting in front of them. And we're asking them, you know, what they can do to help us now, knowing that we've got a heavy lift in front of us going into the Big Twelve. There's a lot of things that we have to improve. Um, and, and and those that have ha- have helped out, we're asking for for additional help. Um, and then the last thing I've, I've said to donors as I leave is, is there anybody else that, that you feel like we haven't connected to or we need to circle back to that, that maybe for whatever reason has been gone uh, for a while in terms of their financial support? And so we're getting leads that way um, and getting in front of some some people that uh, we haven't we haven't been in front of in, in a while. So, um, you know, it's it's a it's a long term process. Fundraising is one of those things where it's. Um, you got to build relationships and, and it can't all just be quick and, and to the point. But I do think in, in some ways the big 12 has allowed us to, to call the question pretty quickly and say, Hey, we, you know, we, we could, you really use your support right now for our, our, our programs as we try to ramp this thing up. Kind of a two-parter. Are you able to give somewhat of a ballpark dollar figure is where things stand now? And two, you brought up a point I was going to ask, what has, the maybe not the percentage been but the reaction been from new new don't new people that you've gone to i know in the past we you know prior to big 12 and even prior to you it seemed that we had to for lack of a better term continue to kind of go towards the same donor pool has that bigger money donor pool grown because of big 12 current success or are there a lot of new whether it's because they haven't donated or been a part of this in a long time or just brand new altogether, is that something that you're seeing more of? You know, I think we're always, we're always on the lookout for people that can, that can, um, that are passionate and that can give us financial support in, in all kinds of ways. Um, sometimes that's, that's through, you know, uh, you know, gifts. Sometimes that's through, uh, you know, their time, their connections, all, all those different things. So, we're always in the, on the lookout for those individuals that, again, are just passionate about what we do. Um, but certainly we feel like we've grown the base um, since, since, you know, in the last couple of years. We feel strongly about that. Uh, we talk about that a lot. Um, but then we also feel like there's huge upside. And in, in, in I think when I was with um, our fan council, David, you're a part of, I talked about this too. There's just huge upside on what we call the annual fund, which is the annual fund for us is just our everyday donor that, um, you know, is a season ticket holder, or maybe they live somewhere else in the country, but 
they want to support and they can support by joining UCATS at, at $100 a year or $100 a month or whatever it is they can do, um, they start they start down that path of being uh, philanthropic with us and, and being part of UCATS and, you know, getting U, UCAT points and some of those things that we that we talk about. Um, and so that's really important to us, too. We, we went from 5,500 donors to 6,500 donors this year. And uh, we think we can get that that north of, you know, seven, eight thousand over the next couple of years, which is which is a really big deal for us. I, I know there's it, it's not a huge impact, uh, but we've seen a couple times this year where the, the fan base has kind of orchestrated these Twitter drives where, you know, there's a fun number. Uh, something happens, the, the final score, of the Notre Dame game or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden you're seeing this influx come in from this, you know, like kind of groundswell um, support from the fans as a staff is that I know it doesn't make a huge splash and it's, it's not producing, you know, $10 million, but is that kind of energizing to see like it, it, the fan base is engaged and we know that they want to help and maybe a little bit more incentive to like push and maximize some of that stuff. It is. What I love about it is it catches the momentum of the time, which, you know, that's that's something that is new with social media, I think, especially in, in some of these um, some of these kind of quick, quick fire pop up fundraising campaigns that you can have that you, that you couldn't have had you know, 10 years ago. It's, it's catching momentum. And that's that's so important because that's where, uh, you know, we're coming off a big win and, and that's where that can really be useful. Um, so. And it teaches us a lot. We we'll, we'll go back and look at those again. We have nothing to do with them, which is kind of special in itself. <laughs> it's just fan base. You guys, I know, have done those and, and others, but um, they pop up and they they produce dollars. But they also tell us a story about about how important it is to uh, catch the momentum when you have it. And um, you know, we're constantly thinking about new ways to try to do that internally. But um, keep those coming. They're 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 really helpful, and, and um, it does mean a lot. What, I mean, this has been something that's been asked in the past, but I'll tie it into, not to you personally, but just in the forum itself. Where do things in the campaign stand as far as trying to find a naming rights for the baseball stadium or possibly the, you know, obviously we're not going to change the name of Nippert Stadium, but the opportunity to, naming rights for the field or, or things along those lines. Are those things being pursued or people interested in those? I know that's a, it can be an odd thing anymore with, with naming rights and the deals and stuff, but where do things stand, especially for baseball? I know we, that has been, you know, somewhat nameless for a little while now. Yeah, no, it, it's all on the table. Um, and we're trying to be strategic about how we, approach our our partners on those opportunities you know i, I do think that there, there are certain partners that have been with us that you almost feel like you need to give them first right of refusal on some of those and so we're, we're we're actively pursuing both of those opportunities we we do feel that we have um a really special sponsorship opportunity on the field um that we haven't taken advantage yet and and so that's that's out there and and we're actively talking to people about that and then um, the naming of the baseball field, same same situation. Um, it's it's on the table. It's it's in our it's in our uh, collection of things that we we talk to people about. But we are trying to be very strategic about both of those. 
the main driver of the, the campaign itself is the indoor practice facility performance center. Can you give a little bit more on what that like dig down a little bit deeper on what that means? Obviously we understand it means football field offices, weight room, things like that, but maybe from the performance center standpoint, what are the elements to that, that, that we're going to be seeing when that, you know, eventually gets built? Yeah. I mean, so I, I will actually just start with the uh, the field itself because I do think it's important. I think you know we're we're looking for something that fits our campus, um, and in that corner of the campus where the bubble sits right now is very visible. So I, I do think it's important to point out that we're looking to build something that's going to look really nice. Um, some people are out out and have space kind of out where no one can see it, and they can put up a barn type structure. That's not what we're looking to do. Um, you know, I think that the uh, the architecture on our campus is really important. And so we, we're going to do something that, that really that really fits the bill there. Um, and it's going to be used by all of our sports all year round, just like the bubble is. I mean, it, it's, it's constantly being used. So it is a really important space for for all all of athletics and, and really uh, campus can use, too. So um, looking forward to that. And then obviously going into the, the performance center that will be adjacent to it, uh, kind of the second phase of the project. Um, you know, there, there are certain things that, that all of these performance centers have, and, and we'll certainly have those. You mentioned a few. Um, it'll, they'll, there'll be a practice locker room space, um, a new training area for our training staff to, to give medical care to our student athletes. Um, there'll be a, a weight room uh, designed for the football team to use. Um, and, you know, they'll have the offices in there, the football offices. But then beyond that, it's also you're also going to have a space for uh, the team to to lounge and just be together socially. And so you'll, you'll have a, uh, an area there for, for that to occur. Uh, you'll have a team room for the team to meet collectively um, as a group, obviously, which takes up quite a bit of space, but is really, really important. And then, and then we keep talking about nutritional areas um, and, and what that might look like. And obviously kind of working on, on something where we may be able to serve all of our student athletes in that space as well. Um, so, so financial uh, considerations have to come into play with all of this, but we're really excited about what, what we can bring to the table on it. Uh, Dave wants to know, not this Dave, the Dave in the, in the, the comments, it's going, is it going where the bubble is now? It's going where the bubble is now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's actually more room than you think there. Um, I've had people ask because if you, if you take the bubble and then you take um, where the stands of Shakely currently are and extend it out, you can extend it out into uh, the roadway that heads toward the statue of the Bearcat. Um, and you, you have quite a bit of space there. And then the other thing you have um, there is you have length. You have a lot of length, the whole length of a football field to build a performance center uh, next to the indoor facility. So um, it, it works and it, and it fits well within that space. I know at fan council, you mentioned going to a school in, and around us and to, to tour their facility and basically saying that's not good enough for us. Are, are you guys going to any other locations? Are you looking at places, schools that have done this and say the last five years to take ideas from is, you know, or is that more on the design side based on who you, who gets selected for that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we're always going to look at, at facilities when we have a chance. Uh, and certainly the designers that we're talking to have done these facilities before, each each one of the ones that we're looking at. Um, and we'll, we'll choose that, that uh, group that we're going to work with soon. And they've all done these exact type of facilities. So they'll have their own um, their own their own places that they'll probably direct us to look at. Um, but, you know, we we've been to we've been to a few. And as we traveled around, I always like, you know, we were down in, in Fort Worth and, and obviously I've got connections to TCU. So we had a group that went over to TCU and saw theirs. Um, and, and, you know, whenever we travel, we over the last couple of years, we've tried to uh, where possible, check out their facilities and what they have. And so, you know, we, we've seen a lot of them. I, I think we all know sort of what we want, what we don't. And now, you know, we're meeting, we're meeting again, uh, coming up this week, we've met a couple of weeks ago, but, but, uh, coach Fickle and, and Greg Gillum, um, from the football staff, uh, myself and our architect are, are starting to, to get together now and, and talk specifics about what we're looking for, what works, what doesn't work and those types of things. Will, will there be a Bearcat Journal podcast studio in the Performance Center? Are you offering a, a large donation to, to build this? <laughs> it might be. That's better. I mean, <laughs> yeah. are, there, are there going to be any of the uh, barbershop recording studios, uh, putt-putt courses that we see in, in some of these some of these facilities these days. So you have met Coach Fickle, right? So, so the, answer, <laughs> the answer is no. Well, I, well, I, I, did, I don't know. I, Coach, I, think, Coach I think we'll Saban. have some fun with it. I shouldn't say that. I think we'll, we'll, we'll have some fun with it and we'll find areas. And, and I think the barbershop is actually a very useful tool. Uh, they, they're they're going to spend a lot of time in and around that facility. And so I think there'll probably be a barber chair and some of those some of those things. But, um, you know, we're going to we're going to also make sure it's focused in on football because um, because that's that's who we are so we're not we're not veer too far away from um who we are and what we're about which is, I, always, you know, I always feel like great, those things great. like at alabama they just show them to the recruits and then once you actually go there no one's actually allowed to use it because you would get in trouble for not you know focusing totally on football but you tell the recruit oh yeah we got this thing and this thing but no one actually ever uses them yeah i, I think you're right on that I've, I've seen a couple of those examples uh, at places I've been to. So I, it, it's going to be useful. We're not going to waste space, that's for sure. Here's a good question, I think. Uh, what will the space in the Linder Center that football vacates be used for when the IPF is is done, the seventh floor and, and some of the other stuff that's football-specific? Yeah, it's a great question. To be determined is the answer to that. We, we don't know exactly uh, what we'll do in that space. Um, we haven't had, to be honest, haven't had a lot of discussions about specifics about that. We just know we're going to have a lot more space. And we know that we have um, teams that need upgrades in locker rooms um, and upgrades in offices. And so that will just allow us to, to, to take some of those projects on too. So um, yeah, but no specific decisions yet. You probably don't even know about this. Uh, is that hockey stadium happening? Did you see that? The, uh, the, the hockey the club hockey team mocked up a picture of what the armory would look like with a with a hockey ice in there and it, it got it got a bunch of buzz on Twitter but uh, this is news <laughs> to you you're not aware of this I'm not aware of it um, but you know the armory is is something that we as a university I know that they're they're talking about and it's a large space obviously obviously adjacent to everything that we do so um, we, we need to we need to figure out 
you know, how that works into the long-term plan of the university, not just the athletics department, the university. Speaking of kind of facilities in general, what other areas I know we've, you know, there's been discussion of women, some women's lock women's athletic locker rooms need to be done as well. Baseball, new scoreboard, things like that. What other areas can you speak on as far as those go as part of the overall fund and just fundraising in general? Yeah, I mean, you always have you always have projects um, and, and things that you you need to upgrade. But obviously, the scoreboard in baseball is one that, that stands out. Um, it's not to the level that that um, we should be at and associate ourselves with. And so that's something that we that we're actively looking at and uh, trying to get resolved as, as quickly as we can. Um, but there's there's other there's other projects and things that we've we've uh, talked about. Like I said, locker room spaces for for several different sports. They just need to be upgraded and, and advanced. Um, so we'll, we'll be checking those off the list. Um, but there's, there's always, there's always things that, that you, you've got to improve and, and get better. And then there's a lot of maintenance things too, that you've got to be paying attention to. I mean, we've got, you know, field replacements that need to take place every, every so often. And, and those aren't cheap either. So um, we've got to be paying attention to all that stuff. Where do things stand currently with the, I guess we can call it the game day football locker room. Yeah, I was just I was just asking. I need to get down there and have another look at it. But um, oh, and, and Chad, John told us at the last fan council meeting that we're going to get a, a sneak peek of that. Nice when it's done. So I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely holding that to him. Yeah. Can I can you I request can a tour guide? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I request Zach Tobler as our tour guide. Gosh, that looks you, sharp, guys. That I mean, I, I, having been at Minnesota, that 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 ice. Are you in? You're in. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. You know, I don't. I don't know what they want to do. <laughs> I don't know if you can do that for do for space. clubs for no. club sport. Yeah. That's, yeah. You could you could put all kinds good. of things on top of the ice too. Um, yeah. So that's pretty good. Um. Yeah. No. The the football locker room project is coming along from from everything I hear. I, I got to get back down there. I, it's been. It's you know. I was down in Fort Worth last week, so. Uh, I got to go down and just walk it, check it out. But I know that they're Have working you, hard to get that get that thing done. It's going to be really, really nice and and um, should do be. Do you even do you even do you even know Tobes is down there? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know if he snuck that in on you or if they, that was your go to guy when you go down there. I've I've seen him. <laughs> there's no better Bearcat than Zach Tobler. Yeah, I know. I know. We we can. I, he's one of several people down there that could give a full tour the ins and outs of uh, the Linder building. And uh, yeah, for sure. Speaking of being in Fort Worth, how was that experience for the first basketball tournament down there? How, how did you think that ran the arena everything along those lines? Yeah. Uh, were you guys both down there? I, no. I was not. I was yeah, back here yeah. covering uh, spring football. Yeah. So priorities. I don't want to get yelled at by Coach Vic. <laughs> well, um, listen, I, you know, I've got a connection to that town because I, I went to school there and then and then worked there for five years. I, I love Fort Worth as a, as a town, as a city to visit. Um, I think the people that were down there had a good time. It was tough. It was tough for us. Right. We were just down there for the Cotton Bowl. Um, it's a hard sell to go back down uh, for the basketball tournament just a few weeks later. And we had a lot of cotton. We had a lot of Cotton Bowl fans that went cotton bowl super bowl back to back and so um 
you know, their, their travel budget, you know, and, um, just time away from home was, was kind of taken up in the football realm, which is totally understandable. Um, but I do think it, you know, we'll be back there next year. I would love to get more fans. We talked about kind of trying to push that to get more fans down there. Cause it does make a big difference uh, when you play in that tournament. And I know traditionally um, you guys can speak to it. Traditionally, we we've always had a, a large number of fans that go to the conference tournament. The conference tournament for, for a hoops junkie is the absolute best because you just, you get so much basketball um, and, it, and it's all really high level, obviously win or go home types type play. So um, I, I thought the tournament was ran really well. I think the venue is, is spectacular. It's a brand new uh, venue. You'll see it this weekend because it's hosting um, the first and second rounds of, of the NCAA tournament. Uh, but with that said, I don't think it's, I mean, I think that the attendance was disappointing. I think, you know, the, the AAC would say that a number of factors played into that. Um, but um, I, I do think it has potential to be just outstanding. And, and so I hope people come down next year. Here's a question we see a lot. So I'll just, I'll just ask addition uh, of sports. When you get into the big 12, uh, I know it's a kind of hot topic button around college sports right now, more sports, less sports uh, from the non-revenue side. Uh, are there any doors that open because the Big 12 is strong in a particular area where you guys might be able to to look into or are those talks that just kind of haven't happened yet? The, the latter. They're, they're talks that just haven't happened. You know, that I, I have talked about the fact that um, when we spoke to Commissioner Bowlesby and uh, the group from the Big 12, one of our questions that we had is, is you know, what is does our sport offerings right now fit within the big 12 or do we need to look to uh, add anything? And they, they said, we do not have to add anything. So um, they were, they were fine with the sports that we offered. Um, you know, so, so I think right now uh, we're in good shape. You just never know where things go. And, and obviously um, I, I hear about those, those sports and others a lot. And um, you, you monitor sort of what's going on around the country. And, and if there's, there's an opportunity that makes sense to add to add a sport down the line, then then certainly we'll look at it. That women's gymnastics is a good like if you watch, I, I don't know what it's like in the Big 12. You I watch some of those SEC gymnastics matches. Uh that my you know, my daughter's in, she's eleven, she's into that kind of thing. Those things are like a, a party. Like they're wild. <laughs> There's twenty thousand people there. It's crazy. They they kill you know, Utah does too, and some other places they've 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 turned it into a uh you know, you talk about revenue sports, that, that's become a revenue sport at, at a lot of different schools. So, um, yeah, no, I know it's it's wild, especially in the SEC. I'm, I'm sure while down in Fort Worth, there's there were ongoing discussions about the current situation in the AAC, when we will be leaving. Is I'm not going to ask you to say, like, when that's going to happen, but I'll just getting, ask him, Dave. Let's do it. I already know the answer. I don't ask questions. I already know the answers to. But are we getting closer to kind of a point where a decision needs to be made? How how close do you think we are to that point? Yeah, I, I think we have a little while still. Um, but you're you're right. I mean, the, the clock is ticking. So so we continue to uh, have discussions. I think people that have been involved in negotiations and, and these types of discussions know as as time winds down. Uh, people, people 
get closer and closer to, to coming together. And, and so that's, that's where I think that we'll, we'll end up being, but um, you know, it, it, it's just going to take a little while and, and, um, and we'll keep, keep those lines of communication open. And, you know, we had, it was reported and it's true. We had a good, good conversation with commissioner Oresco um, this past week down in Fort Worth. And so those, those communications will, will continue. Are the three schools negotiating this as a collective or are you guys doing this school by school? We're having the conversation together. Yeah. Okay. Have there like I guess how does that work then as far as you obviously have to still figure that part out, but are you then you're still having conversations with the Big Twelve as far as how things are going to look as whenever it is that we join is like kind of take us inside of that a little bit, how that dynamic works of kind of playing both sides. Well, you know, I mean, uh, we will be in the big 12 no later than 2024, which um, really is, is in, in our world in a lot of ways, right around the corner. So um, we're, we can, we've gotten really good information from the big 12. They brought us in. Uh, to certain meetings that make sense to bring us into. Um, and, and, you know, these are, there, there's discussions that are being had now that, that will certainly impact us when, when we arrive in the big 12, whenever that is. And so um, I, I give, uh, I give a lot of credit to commissioner Bowlesby and the other ADs in the big 12 for uh, inviting us in and giving us some, some really good information and letting us have a say in some of the decisions that will impact us down the line. Scheduling wise, let's just go with football. Where do you think that goes when the teams are added to the Big 12? Obviously, right now they play round robin that isn't going to continue, can't continue. So are are you a proponent of eight versus nine? Are you a proponent of divisions versus no divisions? How, where, where do you personally from a UC standpoint stand on those things and, and maybe where do you think those things are heading? Those are honestly, uh, David, those decisions haven't been made and, and that's exactly the, the questions that are being contemplated and they're, you know, there's, there's different, there's different sides to, to, um, th those, those considerations. So, um, I, I don't know where it will ultimately head. Number one, I, I think personally, um, and I haven't really talked to Coach Fickle in, in depth about this yet, but I, I think personally I'm in favor of, of nine Big 12 games. Um, I think it helps us with our television contract as we negotiate that to, to start in 25. Um, and and I, I maybe maybe it's because I'm used to uh, nine games having been in the Big, uh, the Big 10 and uh, scheduling three non-conference. I've always kind of thought that model worked well. Um, and uh, so – for whatever reason, I, I think that that would make some sense. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, there may be other considerations that I'm not I'm not privy to right now and, and other things that come into it. And we may end up at eight. I, I don't know. Where, where do you stand on divisions? Is that something you, you are for and think will happen with the 12 teams? You know, I haven't perfectly honest. I haven't thought a lot about it um, and I and haven't haven't taken the time to really dive in on on what that would mean. So um, I would say I don't have a, a strong opinion either way right now. Obviously, 
the money element of the meteorites is what gets talked about the most when you're comparing the Big 12 to the AAC. But what elements of that do most fans not know or that would be interesting to know about as maybe as far as second, third tier, or just how that has all worked out differently from what we're accustomed to right now, besides just they're going to be, there's going to be more money. And Yeah. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, a lot, it, it's, it's not a lot different than what we're accustomed to in terms of, in terms of what's out there in the market. Um, you know, in terms of your, in terms of your first tier, second tier, um, how how you how you sell football, how you sell basketball, all those things. It's kind of all all the all the same. It's just at a, at a different level, and um, that's what we've been talking about for a long time. Is is how do we crack that code um, to get into that that financial category? Because it just means so much to your department, and it means so much to your institution to be able to have that that backing um, of, of a large television contract. So so you know I. Um, I feel really good about what what things are going to look like in in 2025, and um, you know it, the reports that that we continue to get are, are very positive about about the direction that that will go. So uh, you know I I'll, I'll let others handle the the details of the negotiations, but I, I think uh, I think we're in good hands, and I think we're going to be in a really good spot. Will you will you see and the other new members have a full share when they start, or will it be kind of a tiered thing that we've seen in some conferences so so those are uh conversations that we're we're not addressing at this point oh, okay yeah. i don't know where chad went but um so let's see here sorry back in just if, a sec let me see if there's any questions here to we haven't hit yet uh do you see uh, soccer? What is what? Is, I know there's been you know went away, and do you think that that's something that could come back, or are we still in the, in the same same area we were? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of go back to what I, I said. I mean, I think that the um, you know I do think the Big Twelve changes our situation. Um, you know, I I certainly feel strongly that um, if if, if if and when we look to add a sport, um, I'm going to lean heavily toward looking at uh, getting men's soccer back because uh, I, I, you know, that that's going to be important to me. Um, but you know, it's got to be the right, got to be the right time, and and, and things have to fall into line. Um, but uh, you know, you have you have Title Nine considerations and others. But uh, if and when we look to add a sport, that's going to be at the top of my list for sure. So year one of the West Miller era complete. Um, you hired a, a great human. Um, he, he did a really good job with this team. Obviously, they had some adversity uh, that they had to, to battle down the stretch. But what is your uh, your takeaway after uh, what eleven months now of getting to know West Miller as the the head of your basketball program? Just feel very very comfortable with him in that in that role, and um, I think I think authenticity is the thing that has struck me. You know, you, you do hire somebody, you have a you have a Zoom call like this and a in a in person interview, and you talk to as many people as you possibly can, um, 
uh, and people that have known him for a short time, a long time, people that have played for him, all those types of things were, were conversations that, that we had. Uh, and they all said the same thing, but you never really know until, until you're around somebody every day. And he's just very, very consistent um, and very authentic. So what, when he steps up to the mic, you know, he did a, a press conference the other day or whenever he, whenever he does that, um, I, I think you guys probably feel it. I, I certainly, when I see him, I, I think it that he's just, he's just speaking from the heart and that's who he is. And, and it's honestly who he is at all times. And, and um, so I, I, that's, that's really impressive. And, and so just, just feel very comfortable. That's, that's what you want to feel as an AD um, with, with all of your head coaches, but especially those, those high profile head coaches, you want to feel comfortable every day that you got, you got somebody in there that's, that's taking care of business um, and, and uh, taking care of your student athletes. With Luke, I'm curious, do, do you ever learn anything watching him, like how he's been able to, you know, continue to push the staff forward? Uh, you know, a, a lot of coaches struggle with, they have their vision for what they what they want their staff to be when they get hired. In football, clearly it's a transient business. Um, do, you, do you take anything from watching the way he handles it? I know there's always there's always a tie like with, with Gino and, and Mike Cummings. Um, you know, they worked together at central Michigan when Gino was a grad assistant. Uh, I know like uh, Darren page had a history with uh, Brian Mason, who's now at Notre Dame. Do you, do you take anything from that as a, as a leader watching um, the way that he's handled that situation and never panics and, you know, always seems to kind of have a, a pulse on how to get better, even though, you know, it's easy to kind of sulk when you lose somebody. Uh, he doesn't seem to really do that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I do. I learn a lot from him. I learn a lot from a lot of people in our department, but but especially from him because he is such a dynamic leader um, of people. And, uh, you know, it's it's so cliche, but but if you were going to go to battle, I guess maybe with, with what's going on in other parts of the world, you think about that. But, you know, I was I – was, uh, saw a documentary about Eisenhower recently and just, you know, what does it take to really be a leader of people? And he has that. Um, and I think to your point, Chad, it is uh, that, that courage to take on the really difficult decisions um, and then, and not put it on anybody else. I, I think that that's what, what really impresses me. You, you'll never hear him um, with excuses, but you'll also never hear him try to, try to get away from a really difficult decision or a tough problem. He, he takes it on head on um, and kind of, uh, you know, protects his people uh, from, from those um, and, and um, deals with it really in, in a, in a unique way. I don't, I, don't, I hope that makes some sense. It yeah. makes sense in my head. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, and, and I think the other thing I take away from him too, is just um, the stress of his job, at times the stress of my job or, you know, anybody else in the part, but just his ability to uh, put family first. And, you know, that's, that's really important. And, and I've certainly learned that having young kids um, that, that don't try, try your very best not to, uh, not to take it home and, and family, family's always first. I think what stands out to me, and I'm interested in your thought on this when is kind of what I mentioned in that for like a lot of, a lot of guys in that position, it's my way or the highway, right? Like, I, I don't think he had a previous relationship with Mike Cummings, but Gino did. 
he didn't have a previous relationship with Darren Page, but Brian Mason did. He didn't have a previous relationship with Mike Brown, but there was one, there was somebody else on the staff. Like it, it impresses me that he's obviously, he knows he's going to make the decision and it's going to be on him, but it, it shows a lot of leadership to trust the guys that, that work for you in, is this person going to be a good fit? Obviously they come in for an interview and Luke gets to vet them and, and the whole nine yards. But I think it creates a lot of ownership amongst the staff to know like the boss is listening. And if, and if I have a good idea or if I have somebody I think can help us get better, I can go to Luke and say, you know, this is, this is what I think I've got for, for this. And and I think it empowers everybody. I, I think it's a situation that makes guys feel more invested, feel like, they're they're more of the decision making process than just an assistant or whatever the case may be. And to me, that's what impresses me. Yeah, I think that's a great assessment. Um, that was a, that was a better answer than I gave, Chad. Can we switch? No, but it's it's a really good assessment of of who he is and, and how that 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 uh, office runs. Um, and I, and I think you're I think you're a hundred percent right. I mean, I uh, there's not a lot of drama down there too. I think that's another. Another thing that I've always been impressed with, because, you know, having been around a number of different staffs, you know, but um, his staff, they're just it's it's business and um, business and family. And, and that's that's the core. And that's the, the simple um, way he runs things. And, and that's every day. You feel in any heat to take the athletic department on a, a vacation to Cancun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, uh, we know they were deserve. We know we know everybody that was there was deserving of it because it it's a heck of a grind and uh, to go through COVID and then to have you know to lose two games in two years uh, to to Georgia and Alabama that that's that's deserving of uh, getting in some sun and having some fun. Couple Our, of user questions, real quick, uh, Dave. Uh, okay. What surprised you about being an a, an athletic director for the first time since you took the job? I've said this before. I think the volume of the job, and what I mean by that is just, you know, you, you're 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 constantly having something else walk through the door, and, and it's and they're big problems, and everybody's got something that they're working on, and so, um, you know, you got you know 18 sports and 430 student athletes, and you know about 200 staff members, and and um, so just just the volume of it, trying trying to keep all the all the balls up in the air at the same time, and, and make sure that you're you're hitting on the big stuff first, but then also taking care of everybody um, in, in a really fair way. That That's probably what struck me. And here's the hot button of the day in college sports. What, what changes or adjustments, adaptments, evolution would you like to see with name, image, and likeness? Yeah. It's I a mean, loaded I, question. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, it is. You know, somebody asked me what – what's the, the biggest thing on my plate right now? And we've got a lot, but, but NIL is probably number one, just cause it has such large implications on, on how we do business in, in the amateurism model. And are we going into some sort of post amateurism world, um, especially in, in football and men's basketball. Um, but, you know, I, listen, I, I think um, the way that we've, we've handled it um, has been appropriate. Uh, you know, I think to me, it works well when your star players, those that are bringing a lot of value to the university, um, are the ones that that are benefiting from the sponsorship market. 
And that's Des is the perfect example of, of how that worked this year for us, which is he's, he was uh, the star quarterback on a team ranked in the top 10, um, bringing tremendous value to the university and uh, marketers, sponsors wanted him to promote their product and service and use his name, image and likeness. And for that, he had several national deals and, and some local deals. And he had an agent that that uh, ran everything. And so everything went through the agent to kind of keep him focused in on football. And that's the exact way this thing is supposed to work. But what the way it's not supposed to work is it's not supposed to be payment of recruits coming in and um, enticement, inducement of recruits. And, and once you start doing that, it has nothing to do with the, the market forces. It just has to do with whose boosters are, are uh, crazy enough to pay uh, large, large sums of money. And, um, you know, I really hope we don't go down that path. Uh, and I hope that some of the rumors out there aren't true. Uh, but, but certainly, you know, we, you know, we're, we're going to be who we are and we're going to come up with ways to support our student athletes and find some unique ways to do that, um, through camps and through, um, through different appearances and through, uh, you know, a group we just met today with Empower again, and, and Empower was the group that did that really cool skyline, uh, commercial for our offensive line. Yeah. And, uh, that's the exact thing that we want to do. We want to do really high level uh, marketing for our student athletes and put them in a position where they have to, uh, learn, learn, uh, to be a professional in order to be paid and, um, help them long-term because they, they've, they've learned a new aspect of, uh, of, of being an adult going forward. So, um, it's, it's a tricky proposition though. It's, it's not easy and, and we got to take some control and some ownership of it. Any expansions in the plan for roles of spirit squads, cheer, dance band with the move to the Big 12? I, well, I don't, I don't know. Expansion. I, I, I love I love our, our groups, you know, obviously uh, national championship level uh, dance team and, and cheer and mascot. And, and our band is just really, really, really important to us and strong. Um, I thought they were the driver um, to us beating ECU down at, at in, in Fort Worth, you know, we didn't have a lot of fans and, and our band was just fantastic behind the, behind the basket and made a difference in the game. And I told them that after the game. Um, and so that was really cool that, that pep band being down there. But um, I don't know, I don't know about differences, big 12 wise. I, I also know that Anthony DeFino, who, who really does our game day presentation stuff, um, our marketing people do it, but um, he has a lot of say in that uh, is a huge proponent of, of band. He'd rather go to band playing than than uh, can music, and I and I can't agree with him anymore. So I know that we're going to continue to lean on our band in terms of our game day production. Teams obviously have goals. What are your goals personally, and maybe also as a department for say, you know, the next twelve months? Yeah, we had um, we had we had five themes that we worked on for the last 18 months is kind of how we developed it. And, um, I felt like that was a really important time period. I, I call it the restart. And so as I've met with our staff and they're, they're probably sick of me saying it cause I keep repeating it over and over, but, but just to focus in on, on, on five kind of just real straightforward themes, um, fundraising, storytelling, um, you know, a, a sustainable budget, um, 
just growth in different ways. And so that, that, that was, that was what we were, we we're really focused in on. And then uh, now we feel like going into the big 12, we've got a, we've got a chance to take a step back and really look at a strategic plan. Got, got through COVID, got done with what I call the restart for 18 months. And now we have this, this brand new horizon with the big 12 coming around. And so we, we have formed a group called big 12 beginnings. Um, it's staff members in, in the athletics department, a, a, an array of staff members, and we'll get together and we're going to plan out a, a strategic plan for a two year, four year and six year uh, goals and make sure that we continue to, to meet those goals and, and keep pushing forward. But obviously for us, that means winning conference championships, making NCAA tournaments, continuing our strong academics. We have such a strong academic program under Dr. Lucky that has to be part of, uh, of who we are and what we do. Uh, working on um, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, and, and working on the mental health of our student athletes are, are for sure going to be part of, of, of what we're about. All right. I think we've, uh, we've occupied enough of your time. I, we appreciate you being so generous with that. It's a, you know, the, the kids must have been pretty tuckered out from uh, running around and playing outside all day. I, I think they were, I think, I think they, you know, usually once they, once they hit their books, they'll stay reading for a while and then, and then eventually fall asleep. So, uh, but they're locked into the NCAA tournament. Uh, it is the best time of year. Again, I wish we were there, um, but it is, it is a celebration of college athletics nonetheless. And so uh, I hope everybody in, enjoys watching some basketball. Over Before the you go real quick, can you plug the red and black gala and, and what people I know we talked about it in fan council, but you know there's a lot of cool opportunities there, and 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 everything along those lines. Give you a, a, a couple minutes to do that. Thank you, David. I meant to I meant to talk about April 29th. We're having the Red and Black Gala. Um, should be an awesome event. Uh, there's a sign up um, on online, and also we'll be sending out emails, and you'll see tweets and and um, and different social media push there too. But uh, it's just going to be a, a fun time. We'll have our head coaches there. Um, we'll really just celebrate the year that was and what we're about and uh, where we're going to be going into the Big 12. So uh, just another another opportunity to, to celebrate as Bearcats. So uh, would, would really encourage people to, to be a part of that that event. And we'll have a live auction, some really cool live auction items and, and um, Throw, throwback program. throwback uniforms. Yeah, yep. that's going to be that's going to be part. Yep, yep. Addicted want, to the Jordan brand stuff. Yeah, if you want, if you want the throwback, um, buy your red and black gala tickets and and make sure you you're a part of that. So, I guess then now we have to ask you about that, right? What's the the apparel deal? Where 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 are we at in that situation? You almost got out with us asking without yeah, us asking. Well, that. yeah, and I, I'm kind of talking. I mean, just continue to have conversations and, and really good ones. We've, we've got somebody that we're working with closely um, who, who does these all over the country. And so he's helping us obviously navigate those waters. Um, difficult time for these, these uh, companies just because of all the, all the supply chain issues that they're having. Um, and so I was, I was talking to some other ADs that are, that are coming up on their sideline apparel and they're, and they're saying the same thing, which is it's, it's, it's been a little bit difficult to pin some of these individuals down just because they're, they're really struggling to get their their shoes and, and uh, clothing to the U.S. and get it out. But um, nonetheless, we've got we've got a, a couple conversations coming up. I'll be going down to the Final Four in New Orleans, and and um, I'm hoping to have uh, some meetings down there. So uh, we continue to to have good discussions. 
Is there a rough timeline or is it still open? Still open. You know, we, we have some, again, you know, Under Armour um, has been a really good partner and, and we have some time with, uh, with our purchase agreement with Under Armour. And so that, that allows us to have, have uh, be able to kind of time the market as, as best we can. So um, we're under no pressure, but at the same time we're exploring. That's, that's probably the best, best way to say it. All right. That's a great way to leave it. And right. That's one of those things for me. I I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a uni geek. I, like it doesn't really register much. They wear what they wear. Uh, the final score is, is kind of what matters, but there's a lot of people that, uh, that are very invested yeah. uh, in, in the way that that goes. So, yeah. all right, John, it is, right. it is muchly appreciated. Uh, you gave us a, a great hour of your time and when we couldn't be more thankful and uh, I will see you soon, maybe stop down and watch spring practice with us one day. Absolutely. We'll do love what you guys do. Uh, you bring a lot to the table for the Bearcats. So keep, so keep well, doing it guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, John. Yep. There you go. Name me another team site that just, just randomly gets an hour with the AD over spring break. Probably not any. I don't think so either. So <laughs> especially huge thanks to him uh, for carving out some time tonight. He is, we, we both have talked to him separately uh, and he said he would be glad to join us. Uh, just name the time and the date. And usually that's not how it goes. Uh, we, I almost screwed it up, Dave. I, I booked it for Thursday. You're not going to be in town tomorrow. I'm not. So uh, I, I hit John back and said, can you do Wednesday? He said, actually, Wednesday works better for me. There you go. And I said, all right. So there you go. That was uh, that was really good stuff and an insight into a lot of things. I like he's still very cautious at times on things. But I think as he's grown into the role, he's opened up and, and is a lot more comfortable in what he talks about, how he talks about it, how he messages it. Like you can tell uh, yeah. uh, he's grown in from new AD because he was a brand new athletic director. He was thrown into a lot of fire <laughs> with everything that went on in his first two years on the job. But I think he's finding his stride as well. And it's uh, it, he's been great to work with. Uh, and it, it's, it's a tough deal when the questions that the most people want answers to, he can't give them right now, whether it's because he does, we don't know hundred percent right. or like he's not, he can't talk about certain things, big 12 related or, but that's what people want to know. So like I, we still have to kind of ask and then it's up to him how he wants to answer it. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I just think we're we're just kind of in this, you know, it's we're loosen, in that, loosen up, Dave. I got to put the hat back on backwards. Yeah. Like unbutton the shirt. We're in. Like we're the, just in the that limbo. Left. In, in that limbo period where we've known that we're going to the Big Twelve for such a long time, but yet we don't know when. So it feels like it could still be twenty twenty four. I mean, we all hope not, and we don't think it will. But like, you know we're in that time where there's no, no news, you know, big 12 related and right. You know, let's be real. No one gives a rip about the AAC anymore, whether it's right. the conference basketball <laughs> tournament, the football, like, you know, old, old, old news, but. You see, and Dave, gotta, hold on. I, I forgot to do something, Dave. What's that? That is a timestamp. Oh, and the yeah. timestamp 
is brought to you by our good friends, our new good friends, our brand new good friends. Ready? Yes. Urban Artifact. Nice. Is now the proud sponsor of the timestamps right here on Bearcat Journal. Their tap room is located in Northside, 1660 Blue Rock Street. Open Wednesday through Sunday. Pizza kitchen on site. Beers are sold online. Shipping to select states. And currently distribute to 13 states with more on the way. Check the website to see if your state is one. Uh, did you know they use 700,000 pounds of real fruit every year in Urban Artifact Beer, Dave? It's a lot of fruit. Yeah, but so when do we actually get the urban artifacts to have to all lift up at the same time as a cheers for the timestamp? Is what I we're want. working on that. We're working awesome. on that. Can't wait. You need you need to send me the Athens address. I don't have the Athens address. I got you. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have them ship a package. Dave and I are gonna get a day to go out to uh, the north side location and and get our goodies, and uh, we'll get some shipped out to you. We'll get some shipped out. To Brent, how are we? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, happy to have another awesome new partner joining us here at Bearcat Journal, Urban Artifact, the proud new sponsor of the timestamp. And that is your first timestamp of the show. Exactly one hour with John Cunningham. So, what's that say? Pocket watch is my shit, Chelsea says. Apparently, that's a beer at Urban Artifact. Uh, I'm looking. The gadget, spyglass, teak. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. Xmas pickle. <laughs> uh, there's a bunch. We're gonna we're gonna Aaron, have to. Aaron, wait, wait. Urban Artifact timestamp. It doesn't tell anybody what the. Uh, oh, it's a one minute timestamp. Urban yeah. Artifact timestamp. Well, that you know, it's a it's a special. We don't. Oh, there's the John Cunningham timestamp. Okay, yeah, I just the John Cunningham timestamp was. It up went here. too too fast. Too many yeah. uh, comments, and I missed it. So uh, super happy to have Urban Artifact on board. Jeffrey, first time checking out live. Huge fan of the pods. Keep it up, homies. We got you, man. We got you. There's nobody. Uh, we are going to start. Putting the timestamps in the podcast show notes in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Um, Aaron, just write this down on a piece of paper, all the timestamps, and email them to me when we're done. I'll put them in the show. Uh, let's get to the other news of the day, Dave. Basketball. NFL is, free uh, agency started. That is not for this. Are there, oh, are there, okay. are there Bearcat free agents? Uh, Kevin Huber's a free agent. Has he signed anywhere? No, he has not. All right, then what are we going to talk about? <laughs> I'm kidding. Hello, working on training up to getting links for the timestamps. Bear with us. Aaron, Aaron's trying to become Facebook and uh, Google and uh, YouTube certified. He's going to be he's going to be a master of all this stuff here soon. We're getting there. Bear with us. Um, yeah, no, I no, we don't we, we don't have any UC free agents right now except <laughs> Huber. Uh, 
and that's it, it, you need to get on PTP. Like they're they're dying for 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 the Dave show. They have to invite me. I mean, they don't. I can just send you the link, and you can just pop in the in the <laughs> studio. Like, hey guys, I'm here. No, that's Let's talk. That, that would be rude. Yeah, when have you ever shied away from being rude before? No, it wouldn't be. I promise. It's a it's a party over there. You just have to be ready to keep up. <laughs> it's something. They had a two hour guest last night. Oh, who is that? Uh, Clay Snowden. He's uh, he's a Reds Reds guy. What the hell do you have just... to talk about the Reds for two hours? Oh, there's plenty to bitch. Like I I could bitch about the Reds for two hours right now. Yeah. Trust me. Trust. There's nothing good to talk about. There's plenty to bitch about. Well, yeah. Well, we talked CBA and broke that all down. We talked the moves that they've been making and all of that. So it was it was a lot. You know. Did Did you talk about how uh, my team's owner got his own tax bracket named after him? I don't know who your team is. If I'm being Mets. honest, he's a Mets fan. Oh well, that doesn't surprise me then at all. I should have actually known. When you said that, but gross. Uh, congratulations on having an owner who, who gives a shit. But well, uh, I mean, he does have fifteen, roughly twelve or fifteen billion dollars to his name. So I hear that's a lot. I'll never <laughs> know what that actually feels like, but I hear that's no. a lot. No, it's a lot more than Banana Bob with his. He he he's only worth uh, half four hundred million. million. Yeah, and that's very poor. I'm told in uh, in baseball oh, terms. It's uh, last. It's last, yeah. Don't buy a team if you're if you're don't get not going to spend the money. Uh, anyhow, yes. Really, really happy to have Urban Artifact on board, and uh, every time there's a timestamp, you'll be hearing about Urban Artifact. So go support them, please, because they are now not only sponsoring drink beer, the BCJ podcast. They're also sponsoring the BBP. They're our first cross show oh, wow. sponsor. They're in on both. That's how much big time they believe in us. Thanks to Scotty, who's been a longtime member. And uh, we have been in talks about this behind the scenes for a little while. And uh, they decided to jump on board today. I said, send me a read and we will uh, we'll get you going tonight. Like, we don't waste time here at Bearcat Journal. No. If you're in, you're in. If you're on the team, Especially you're on the team. Your, uh, <clears throat> food or beverage. Yes, food or beverage, we are very big on. Very big on. We're also big on transmissions. Speaking of transmissions, how about a transition to basketball, where we had the start of the offseason, essentially, for the Cincinnati Bearcats. As Mason Madsen entered the transfer portal, uh, I kind of hinted at this as a possibility uh, last night, I think, there will be another transfer portal entry within the next 12 to 18 hours. Uh, it is not one that people are thinking of, uh, but it is in terms of, remember how everybody has just assumed those three scholarships are opening up to make room for the three uh, players that are incoming, the three freshmen. One was two guys that can't play college basketball anymore. The other was a guy that was a walk-on and moved to scholarship. And I'm guessing in the next 24 hours, uh, to keep this in the circle of trust, uh, we'll probably see Rob Banks in the transfer portal. 
which still one of my favorite names, Dave, Rob Banks. It's like a directive. It's not a, it's not a name. It's telling you what to do with your weekend. That's right. Rob Banks, the legend of Rob Banks, uh, probably coming to an end. I wish him well. Aaron, Wright State wins. Congratulations. Sell the team, Bob. I think they were underseeded. They're yeah, they scored a lot of points, or that, or 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 their opponent was very bad at defense. Paul Bear, Ben Bryant. Right. Uh, any plans to upload nightcaps to your podcast accounts? At the time being, no. We're trying to grow the YouTube channel. And if we put the nightcaps on the podcast accounts, then nobody has to watch the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm trying to grow the YouTube channel so I can pay Aaron uh, and he can eat because he doesn't get to eat much. So um, I can drink all this free urban artifact. He's going to get free urban artifacts. I don't see the problem. There's fruit in it. Like that's got to count as food in some way, shape, or form. Carbs, water. Right? It's got to count for something. Anywho, Dave, one player in the portal, the offseason for basketball has begun. Uh, initial thoughts. Um, never, you know, I never want to see guys leave our program in any sport because that typically means that they, you know, something not to their expectations happen. Like, you know, you don't see guys entering the transfer portal if everything's going great, whether that's the team's not winning, they're not getting the playing time that they hoped for, you know. So, you know, it's unfortunate. At the same time, I think there can be a disconnect with with certain fans that, like, if we say, like, you know, they need to upgrade the roster, that isn't at the same time being like this person is a trash human being. Like, you can right. you can say, like, personally, you know, we're in the circle of trust here. <laughs> I think there needs to be quite a few more transfers. Um, if our expectation is to compete in the hopefully lone remaining year in the AAC. If we're, if our expectation is to compete for a championship, I don't see that happening as currently constructed. And if our expectation is to go into the big 12 and be competitive, I mean, I think it would be unrealistic to say we're going to the big 12 and compete for a championship with the likes of Kansas and Baylor and, you know, those programs. Right, but but that's a league you can finish sixth and make the tournament comfortably. Easily, right. So compete in the league. Don't get your doors blown off like when we entered the Big East. This is not the American where three teams maybe are getting in. Like SMU got left out. Two teams got in. So like, this is a league where six, seven, eight teams are getting in. Get, well, I, figure well, out a way I to get in that you don't want these massive roster turnovers. Part of me says there's no better time to have one with a first year coach than in the hopeful last year of a mediocre conference. So 
get it out of the way now. Get the dudes you need in. Get them a, a year under their belt. And then you're then you're rolling into a much tougher conference where you don't feel like you're doing it with an arm tied behind your back. I mean, and that's a very it's not a great thing to have to say. Um, but I, I mean, I'm just being truthful about it. Like we've talked all year that this team has a lot of role guys. No, no stars, no, no dudes. Right. And if you just kind of come back with the same group next year, that doesn't really change. You're asking role guys to become stars. And I, ju- I just don't see that because you can't expect the, the three freshmen to come in and, and be stars. Um, if the, if that happens, great but you can't expect it. You can't be counting on it. So you you can't then say, we're just going to basically bring back the same unit and expect guys that are, you know, do maybe one thing pretty good, but, but aren't a complete player to all of a sudden become someone that can propel UC from where they finished this year in the league to competing for a NCAA tournament bid. Yeah. I mean, if, if competing with whoever's at the top of the league next year, I I wonder about Houston for next year, but you know, their culture is still going to exist. Like it's, there's been years we looked at mixed roster and we're like, I don't know if they're going to compete at the top of the league next year. And then they competed at the top of the league. Yeah. Um, that will probably be the case again next year, even with the significant losses that they will have. Um, They are still sitting atop the throne until you knock them off, right? Yeah. And that's the problem with, with the league and why I say do this now is this team could have a, a better year and if it has a SMU type year, you're and you still don't get in the tournament, I would go, man, that, we could have used that year. And I don't want to say waste, and that's not fair to the coaches and the players, and they don't look at it that way. And you should never just give up on a year because something else in in college sports, you should never do that because then you're you're building something for the next year. But like, if if we take an incremental improvement next year and still don't make the tournament. I think that really puts them in a bad spot going into the big 12. And I, well, I mean, I'm, but I'm not putting on this team's back like next year's tournament or bust. I'm I'm not, I'm I'm not either, but I'm just, I'm saying that's what you just said. Kind of. No, I'm saying it puts them in a bad spot for the big 12 because maybe unless, unless the roster comes together and, you know, they, they're one no, of the, but all those guys would then be gone when you enter the big 12 and you're starting over with a brand new roster. That's why I'm saying do that now. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but it'll be interesting. I, I still think the sweet spot for, for making this roster significantly better for next year is three minimum, maybe four. Um, I don't think you want to go any higher than that. No, I'm I, on, I, I'm on, 
the the and, and I guess if you let me let me do the number. <laughs> I don't want to, you know. So there's you. there's ten guys on the roster. Don't want to piss One anybody of them off. Is in the I transfer mean, portal. You know me. I really don't care. But like, I mean, if you follow me on my personal Twitter, you you might have an idea. But I keep that stuff off the Bearcat Journal, and that's you know. Um, Those are your thoughts, not company thoughts. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, obviously Mason is already in the portal. Uh, you, you mentioned Rob. I, you know, I think if, if I think they're maximizing the opportunity, I would look at three more. Um, now, do we get there? I don't know. Um, but that's just the way, the way I view it. I think three is the most likely number. Four Th- is... Three more in addition no, to these three two? total. No, three total. That- well, but Rob's already accounted for. Right. So you have one open. I think two more is the most likely number with a possibility of three more. Uh, okay, yeah, I mean, if, if you're saying Rob's accounted for, if you're saying Rob's accounted for, then three more, that's what I want. Two more is what I think is most likely. Yeah, well. Three more wouldn't shock me is, what I guess, what I'm saying. Right. Hi, uh, Kestrel Wraith. How you doing? Good to have you. It's Jeff. Appreciate you joining us. Oh, hi, Jeff. How you doing, buddy? Um, but like, you know, you can't. I understand. Like, you can't totally just gut it. Um, and there are some pieces. And and look, like, like let's say hypothetically, right? Like, two of the pieces you bring back are we know John Newman's coming back. I got a good feeling listening to Wes yesterday that will probably, I think the odds are more than 50% we see David Julius come back. Right? Like, I I think that's... Yeah. That's just the sense I got from listening to him talk. Um, Those two guys graduate next. Like, they're out of eligibility. Right. So, so there's another already immediately two spots. No telling what happens with, you know, if there are three spots that you bring in. One of them might be a grad transfer. A grad transfer. Now you're looking at three and then transfer portal. You're looking at another one or two because let's face it. There's going to be two or three transfers every every year. year. Every Every year. Like the the days of, of like Mick going two or three seasons without a transfer or one transfer is over. That's not how it works anymore. So you're already looking like no, I mean, five spots at, like, for next year. The one kid that I noticed, the the Princeton kid, <laughs> Jalen Wallen. The kid get, enters the portal and like half the country is interested. Well, that so, was also like, a, a high major kid that that went to Princeton for academics, obviously. Like, but I'm just saying, he, like if that's happening, yeah. like everybody, like tons of. I mean, that's the thing. Is like right now, I. Saw, I saw like today is like, I mean, why are we, why are you even paying attention to the portal right now? Almost. I mean, like, you know how many hundreds of kids are going to be in it before, you know, this is all said and done. Well, you're paying attention right now because this is the first wave and the first wave is, is important. Well, I mean, the coaches are like, I'm 
Like you right. have all the teams that are still in the tournament that are that are yeah. going to have one or two kids. Well, but and and here's the thing: I'll tell you with the portal. They are by the know. time for most for most of for the kids that are good enough. Let's say that for the kids that are good enough. By the time they enter the portal, they are seventy five percent of the way through the process. Yeah, and by that, what I mean is they've had their trainer, their AAU coach, whatever, reaching out for a considerable amount of time already, right? And they know who's interested, who they're going to consider. And most of the time from there, it's going to come down to, okay, I've got three options. Two of them are probably realistic, (laughs) right? Uh, I'm going to visit and I'm going to make my decision. And that's the way this thing kind of works. Like, just inside, I'm not going to give names because it, and and this isn't really even from a UC perspective. It's just from doing AAU circuit for, you know, 10, 12 years. Like you have guys, you know, guys you talk to, guys that call, guys that, you know, want to see what the landscape is like. There were three guys in the past 36 hours that entered the portal today that I knew were entering the portal at least five days ago, they got a call five days ago. What's it look like out there? Such and such is probably, you know, when the season's over, such and such is probably gonna gonna be in the portal. If I know that, and this is my point in telling that story, if I know that, think what coaches know. Like think, think a step ahead of how many coaches have been contacted. Like for sure. Hey. You know, would you be interested? What do you think? And then feelers get put out, and then the teams that are interested push things further. Teams that aren't interested kind of let it go by the wayside. Like it's, it's. I don't want to say it's the wild west. Um, they're it's in free, ideal, it's free NIL agency. deals. It's, yeah, free, it's agency. free agency. How? I mean, it's like it's almost like the NFL and the and the tampering window like the Bengals worked real hard to sign Alex Kappa seven seconds after you know <laughs> the the tampering they, they've talked to their agent they talked to up on Monday I mean they, they had talked to his agent for six seconds had a deal just a, and you know, uh, exactly was... the parameters they both <laughs> wanted I mean unbelievable good work by all involved <laughs> that's how this shit works now like I, I'm just trying to help like open the, the 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 window for people for our members to understand like most of the time most of the time when a kid hits the portal he is 75% of the way done with the process that's just the reality of it there are some that maybe they don't have you know the right they, they didn't have the right support system coming up they didn't play for a big AAU team and then they went out and blew up at a mid-major or whatever. Um, you know, those guys maybe don't have as many people in their corner working for them. Uh, but there's I, there's five or six players that are prominent players in the NCAA tournament that I know, I know, when their season ends, they will be entering the transfer portal. Right. And that has nothing to do with UC. That is just... 
the way this shit works. <laughs> this guy didn't feel he got a fair shake, or even if he's a prominent, you know, prominent player on a protected seed in the tournament, feels like it's not the right situation for him. And, you know, he wants to go somewhere, and instead of being the fourth guy on the tournament team, he's looking to go somewhere and be the guy. Yeah. So buckle up like the in ideals are most of the ways uh solidified jeff eh, for some yeah sure for some that's not how most of this works yet uh but no, for i think some, most of it is it's still in plain plain and relationships yeah you know a guy that is transferring for whatever reason is more likely than not going to go somewhere where there's already a relationship because they they feel comfortable. Like this guy recruited me, this guy, I've known him a long time. He didn't recruit me because he was at this school and, you know, I wasn't good enough to go there, or, but now I've progressed a ton and, and we had a good relationship and, but it just didn't work out. Like, you know, the you know the 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 old the old school mercenaries you know that you know just go to the team that has the best chance to win and doesn't know anybody like that's few and far between. Like I think most of these transfers are built on relationships, already existing relationships. Correct. That's and look like UC football is no greater example, right? Almost every transfer they have landed in the transfer portal era is a kid that has some kind of relationship to the staff, to a player, to somebody in the program that can vouch for the kid. Right? Like that's just how it works. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I can't really explain it any other way. Like there's so much back channel stuff that goes on. Well, you've already had a, a an experience that did not live up to expectations it's just human nature to want to go somewhere where you feel comfortable because you already know a staff member or guys on the roster or something that right. you feel like that's going to give you a positive impact from the start. And, and here's something to think about, just something to ponder, right? I get the sense West knew every kid in North Carolina, just, the, the ways that, like, you know, when names from North Carolina have popped up already on the radar. He's he's, he's like, a, he's almost he, like Luke, though. I mean, he's been there so, he was there right. so long. He went straight from playing. College into to, coaching. Into and coaching. 10 and years. Was, and was in Green, Greensboro for 10 years. So. Yeah. And he had a great eye for talent at Greensboro. There's a lot of guys he, like, he was in on early. Sophomore, junior year that blew up. And like are Gary, now. You mean like Gary Clark? Correct. Gary Clark being a perfect example um, that now blew up and, you know, he's got ties to, to a lot of kids. Where was Chad Dollar? Chad Dollar's been all over the place. He was at Georgia. He's recruited over the past couple years, most of the state of Georgia. Where was Mike Roberts? He was at IU. Which means he's recruited at some point. Most of the state of Indiana or like the Midwest, like, right. So this is where having that type of staff is a huge benefit, is a huge bonus. 
you know? Yeah, I, and, and I, it just changes the game. That kind of works into why I'm okay with some level of a teardown. Like, the talent level, they need to be able to – that's the thing. The coaches need to be able to have the spots to use their talents to improve the roster. Yeah, but I also say I think it like I think it's unfair because of the way the roster was constructed this year. There are some guys that were on this roster that can be a part of a big time roster. Right. But my because they have complementary, complementary abilities. They do, but they just weren't ever in a position to play on a team that had top of the roster possibilities. I I 100% agree, but here's my counter to that. If you don't have the spots to bring in those type of players, how do those guys ever become those complementary pieces to We're talking about guys? changing seven spots, six or seven spots on the roster, Dave. How many spots does a roster have? No, no we're talking about three spots. We already have three coming in. The, those three spots are changing. Right, but they're not and coming likely in as, three more spots are changing. They're not coming six, in as the stars. Six new players on the roster. Right, it but, is up to the staff. Freshmen can be stars. It's 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 impossible. Uh, well, Freshmen have never played well in college basketball. They have, but if if we're betting one dollar on whether next year those three freshmen will be stars or not, I'll take the not. I, I would say Skillings and Reed will be valuable pieces of That's this. Not roster. a star. Okay, so now you have three spots. Now you hypothetically have three spots to go get top of the roster guys. Right. If Dave stays, you have one. Yes. Right? And you need one or two more, potentially. If you have three top of the roster guys in college, in the American Athletic Conference, okay, you have three top of the roster guys, you're a pretty damn good team. Right, but what did we say in one of our recent podcasts about expectations for transfers? Well, but they have to, they understand with this roster, you have to make sure you go find at least one, potentially two top of the roster guys. Yeah, I totally agree. I just, you know, I want the, as most, the most chances as possible to, to fill those spots. But what if one of the guys that you, you have shit on becomes a mid to top of the roster guy? Then I will gladly say I was wrong, but I don't see that right now. So, like, what if John Newman takes a step as as a senior? John Newman is in my group of guys that I'm totally fine with. That I I think is a, a very solid. Player. Okay, but we've declared Dave is the only top of the roster guy. What if John Newman becomes a top of the roster guy, and then you hit on a transfer, and now you have three top of the roster guys, and everybody else can slot into a role? You have forgotten your thirst. Your bloodlust for gutting this thing and tearing it down has made you forget that guys can get better. They can. <laughs> yeah, they, they can. That doesn't mean I think they will. Okay. I mean, there okay. are, let's see, one, two, three, like six dudes. I'd be cool with coming back. The rest can go. I think that's probably where we're going to end up. Yeah. Right, we're talking about three freshmen and three transfer portal, potentially four transfer portal. That is seven. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah. 
out of the, and you have six guys that return like that. We're on the same page. No, technically, no. you're just arguing. You're saying there's six guys you want to return, and then in the other breath, saying you'd prefer that only three of them did. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I mean, there's. No, I, I'm not saying that at all. I mean, I think that there's, there's, you know, like Jared Hensley and Odie Aguama. I think they can be those pieces you're talking about because they have the athletic profile and, you know, that, that we would be looking for to fill those types of sure. positions. And, and, and I am willing to see how those guys grow because of their athletic profile. Like Jared Hensley is the perfect example of that. Like as he progressed at the end of the year, I'm encouraged by him because of his athletic profile that he's a guy that the more minutes he gets, the more time he gets in the system, he can take a bigger jump because of, you know, what, what he provides from a, a physicality, a physical standpoint and an athletic standpoint. Like there's other guys that I look at and I go, their athletic profile doesn't and that's fair doesn't say to me that this guy is going to all of a sudden become something and you know maybe that's like this coinciding with the NFL draft and and things like that you just look you know you look at profiles and you look at athleticism and and things like that and you go what how much better can this person be based on their own physical in in some cases limitations or you know not limitations and I think the athletic profile is a fair thing to gauge. Like, the, the, it's it's going to matter as you get to the Big Twelve. Like, it, you're not In, incredibly, it's going to matter. You're not going to be able to hide a lot of non-athletic guys. I get that. Uh, we let's catch up here. Um, well, I'm going to start. Hold on, before I'm going to start with. Let me scroll back up to Bearcat Mick, who uh, agree. You know, this was. 20 minutes ago when we first started on the, the subject, but he agreed wholeheartedly with my perspective. So I just want to. Your initial perspective was on point, And yes. then you. you no, you, it, it never changed. It was still no, on it point. Didn't. It did. It was still on point. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Honest opinions about JD. I don't know how to feel about him this year. Some shots are just bad and his defense was sloppy at times. Okay. Here's the conundrum with JD. You want to say sloppy or just laissez-faire? <laughs> like, I don't just think he gave a shit. I don't think, no, I, I disagree with that completely. I think he was trying. He just doesn't have the athletic profile That's to guard <laughs> Fabian White, Vance Jackson. Who, who's the dude for Tulsa? I always forget his name. Oh, uh, you, you, Uriah Horn or whatever? Jariah Horn. Jariah yeah. Horn. Like, he doesn't have the physical profile, the athletic profile, to guard any of those dudes. Whether he wants to or not, no matter how hard he tries. Well, the, the guys from Memphis. Right. You need – here. here's my take on J.D. J.D. is a massively important part of this roster. But it's not at 28 minutes a game. Yeah, his his usage and what he's being asked to do does not is above what he's able to do, and that's not fair to him. No, no, because you're asking you're asking someone to do stuff that they can't do, right? 
I used to ask Aaron to write articles that people would click on, and he couldn't do that. So I, I made him the producer <laughs> of the podcast network. Sorry, Aaron. I'm just kidding. That was mean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. He's not listening, so that's good. <laughs> what do you even say to that? <laughs> of course I'm listening. <laughs> What do you even say? You had me writing AAC wrap-up articles. I mean, what am I supposed yeah. to do with that? Nobody clicked on that shit, so we found a new role for you. Th that ain't on me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, um, I mean, you're you're at, at 20, 22 minutes a game. Guard guard this guy and then also be our, you know. Second leading scorer, our shooter. Like, remember this. Remember this. Here's what's astonishing about last year think of all the bad shots he took what everybody thought were the bad shots he took right he shot over 36 percent from three in the pantheon of shooting for this university to take the number of shots he did and shoot just a tick under 37% is a miracle, right? Like, yeah. he had no business shooting that percentage on those number of shots with the type of shots he took. But he did. It happened. I saw it. And the crazy thing is, we watched the shots he took last year and said, if he keeps taking shots like that, his three-point shooting percentage is going to crater. And it went up. <laughs> so I get everybody like quit taking those stupid ass shots Jeremiah but who else on the team that's is gonna put the is... orange thing through the hoop with the net on it if if you want him taking you know we'll call it three less shots a game because we we subtract the three crazy shots who are you then giving those three shots to right like are they just not taking three shots like <laughs> they're just Three, we're adding three 30-second uh, clock violations to the to the, to the the game. Yeah, so I mean, like, they, they have to go to somebody else. You know, who, who, who do you feel more confident in making shots that you want Dave to take? Dave or take? Jeremiah. Those are the two people I wanted taking shots, right? For the most part. Right. Yeah. And then people were like, they should take more mid-range shots. I'm like, did you see how many contested twos? They should take that, more, that, more of the worst shot in basketball. Yeah. Also, they took a ton of the worst shot in basketball. If you watch Dave and Jeremiah shoot, there were a bunch of shots they took that were from 18 feet there because are, they had to try to shake somebody and pull up. There are four shots you should take in college basketball. Threes, layups, dunks, and free throws. That's yeah. it. That's it. Uh, will the staff be looking for transfers with multiple years of eligibility left? Hell yes. Yes. <laughs> These guys better be good when they go to the Big 12. So yes, <laughs> right? they will be looking for transfers with multiple years of eligibility left. Because you can't be doing it over again your first year in the right. Big 12. You need right. this group. This group of transfers need to be junior seniors as you enter the Big 12. Right. Uh, is there a guy who will be on UC's roster next season who will transfer after their current team has bounced out of the tournament? I, this weekend? I don't know if it's this weekend. What if, what if 
whoever the guy, like, remember, we're dealing with very, remember what I said? The guys that enter the transfer portal are 75% done with the process. What if one of those guys sneaks into the second weekend, right? So then I say, yes, there'll be somebody that bounced out of the tournament this weekend on the roster next year. Then they get into the second weekend. Guess what, Dave? I'm wrong. And then people come back and go, oh, you said somebody that was bounced out of the tournament the first weekend is going to be on the roster next year. They made it to the second weekend. You're a dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to cover all my bases. Also, that would be be tampering. So, no, we're, we're not involved in any of that. Everybody is involved in that. Tampering. It's not tampering if you're not dealing with the off the limit people. If you're not talking to the kid, you're not talking to the parents, not talking to the high school coach, you're not tampering. You're just having conversations with your friends. Yeah. Right? You had a friend call you and a name came up. That's not tampering. It's just. You know, let, let's say a, a coach is out next weekend and he's having lunch somewhere and an old friend sits down at his table for lunch and they start talking about a player that the old friend happens to have a connection to. Not family, not coaching, but just, you know, I know this guy. You want to talk about him? Yeah, we'll talk about it. It's hard to, <laughs> because they are increasing in size. Ah, love it. Um, so probably, let's see. So probably Madsen roll, but we'll average some more minutes than Mason did. Who? Uh, I don't know. I think I got lost in the conversation. Aaron spins award-winning articles. I, I don't know what articles. T-Win, I'm going to sell you out. I'm going to sell you out. You are my age. Quit calling me a boomer. Boomer. <laughs> you guys are way too young for that anyway. Yeah. Like, I, like I'm old. He graduated from UC in 2000. Boomers are like 60 years, 60 years old. Right. <clears throat> Will there be any interest in 2022 high school prospects with the open scholarship? It would have to be a special high school prospect. Guess yeah. what? Guess what? I talked a bit about this on the uh, the the nightcap last night. I talked to uh, I've got a lot of assistant coach friends around the country. Just it's the nature, like I said, of being on the road for for twelve years. Um, they said they were they were you know coaches. Everybody, you know, you see the uh, end of season awards, right? And they think. Coaches like fill those out. The head coaches fill those out. No, they give them to their assistants. So I was talking to an assistant in a high major league, and they were they were doing the postseason conference awards, and it got to freshmen, like the for all freshman team, and they're looking at each other like, uh, guess what? The only teams playing freshmen are the bad teams. <laughs> And the freshmen that are playing on the good teams aren't playing enough to be on the all-freshman team, right? Like, they're averaging four and a half points and two rebounds. You can't put them on the all-freshman team because that's just a bad look. Like, that that's just not 
how the sport is going. So uh, maybe if a an elite or a high-level prospect ends up with a connection to the staff, like decommitting or getting out of their LOI or something crazy happens, maybe. Portal, baby. Yeah. It is portal season. You need you need grown ass dudes. Uh this is uh who do you have going into the Big 12 as the ideal point guard? Cash, Nick Van Exel, Steve Logan. None of the above. No, Lance Stevenson. He didn't play point guard here, but I get your point. <laughs> Six five, long. Athletic, like facilitator, a lot of shit to his game. I know where you're coming from when you say that. Like, yeah. Um, no one of needs- those guys. I mean, in terms of point guard, Nick was the best point. Nick, guard. yeah. Nick was an NBA like legendary point guard. Give me Nick the Quick all day, every day. Right. Logan benefited, and Steve was amazing. Don't get me wrong. But he benefited from not playing in a a league with a bunch of long, tall, athletic motherfuckers. Yeah, I mean, he was outscoring Southern Miss by himself. Right. Cash. God, I wish you guys could have seen Cash before his knee. I really do. <laughs> there were times watching him that was just like, oh. Because, like, it, it, he's one of the better shooters UC's ever had. And before the knee, he was a blur. Well, that breaks my heart to think about what Cash could have been. But going into the Big 12, I want a 6'4 kid with some, you know, like a 6'8 wingspan. <coughs> yeah, you, you just, I mean, like, and that kind of just goes back to my physical profile thing like you need six two plus at the point six four plus at the two six 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 seven at the three six eight right. six nine at the four i mean and six ten six eleven or whatever you want to do with your fours and fives but like right. and just watch big 12 basketball like how many just like five ten point guards are there how many Six two shooting guards are there. How many six five threes are there? Now there's some. Well, but what is but what is their athletic profile? And of course, everything's a copycat, right? Like that's how sports works. We've talked about that a million times. Baylor is the copycat in that league right now, right? They're 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 the defending fucking champion. Yeah. Go look at that Baylor roster from last year. Wasn't everybody 6'5 and up? Yeah, except for their point guard, Butler. Right. Who wasn't far off, right? He was also not small. No, but you had Macy Oteague. You had, right. you know, a, and then you had their front line that was, you know, all – Six eight and bigger, and insanely athletic. 
you have maybe my favorite name in all of college basketball on their team. The, the African kid? Flo Thamba. Yeah. No, of, that, well, that was, of, was, Flo Thamba was kind of a bit player on that well, team. Well, he's, I mean, on the team now. Yeah. Not Mo Bamba. Flo Thamba. Flo Bamba. No, Flo Thamba. Flo Thamba, right. Mo Bamba, um, Flo Thamba. But my point being, the league is copying Baylor. Which is just like you said, two guards are 6'6", six, six, small forwards are 6'7", six, and fours are 6'8", six, 6'7", eight, six, six, eight, depending on their skill level and athleticism, and your five is a 6'10", six, 6'11", six, rim runner. Yeah. And everybody's got 6'10", plus wingspans, and one through four can shoot the three. And like they're they're it's the monsters. Like the monsters are happening, Dave. <laughs> yeah. So going the days of being able to survive, going five ten at point guard, six foot at two guard, six three on the wing, that's over for Cincinnati. It sure is. It's out. I mean, we're seeing it right now, even in the AAC. Like they're right. There, that that type of a roster is outgunned against the premier teams in the AAC. Well, and it's because of what Cincinnati did. Troy Copain, 6'4". Jacob Evans, 6'6", six, six, great athlete. Jaron Cumberland, 6'5", but could do everything. <laughs> Gary Clark, 6'8", could do everything. Kyle Washington, 6'9", right. could do everything. Like, Cincinnati started that trend in the American – Calvin Sampson just went, look, if we're going to win this league, we got to do that. Yeah. And the question isn't Trey Green under six foot. Yes. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could get away with one. The point being, you can't have a roster. That's the thing is if he's your point guard, five and under, if he's your point guard, then your two guard can't be six, three and your, and your three can't be six, five. Right, because your opponent is going to overwhelm you. Right. It's a trickle down. You can have a 5'10 point guard if everybody else is 6'4 and, and bigger. Right. 5'10, 5'11 point guard. Okay. 6'5, two guard. 6'7, three guard. Right. 6'8 uh, combo forward and a 6'10 and a center. You can right. survive with the 5'10 point guard. Because there's only one position. Like that, the teams are just going to be able to rise up and shoot over. Think about how many, again, with Jeremiah. Here's the thing I continued when I talked to people inside the program. He's doing everything in his physical ability to guard the four. But the fours that he's guarding are bigger and stronger and, and can just, okay, I can get you to a certain point where I'm just going to rise up and shoot over you, and there's nothing you can fucking do about it. Nothing. And it also makes it hard for him to get his shot off, as we've seen. Right. That's why he's got to take so many tough-ass shots. There's, you know, there's no space when the guy guarding you is three, four inches taller than you and has you know, the wingspan that they do. Right. They're going to be able to close out and contest. It's just and, – and how many times did we see you see foul guys on three-point shots this year? Too many. Why? Because they had to overcompensate for length. 
So they're, they have to close out harder because they can't get a hand up to the, the arc of that shot. <clears throat> so they have to close out and it ends up, they just crash into the guy <clears throat> because that's the only real way they could defend it. I don't know. This is, this is the most real conversation we've had on the basketball roster in a while. Probably, period. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's it's just like, you know, I think, like I said earlier, some it's hard, to, you know, some people don't just want to be honest about things when it comes to college kids, and I get that. Like, it's okay to say, like, this player is not good enough to to go where we want to go. Like, right. It's not an indictment on them as a person. Like, well, but some people take it too far. Oh, for sure. Cause people take everything too far. Like, like just because he doesn't have the ideal athletic profile or, or he's a long-term not going to fit all of a sudden to some people, he's a fucking bum. No, not the case at all. Right. Mason Manson was a great kid. Awesome kid. Gave everything he had for two years to this program. But long term, you got to be better at that spot, whether it's as a, as a rotational bench player or it's as a starter or whatever the case may be, you have to be better. And, and it sucks, like, you know, from a, from a human level, a human perspective, because that's what I think people forget. Like, it's a business. Well, yeah, it's a business, but it's a business with like real people involved. Right. Have some compassion, but there's also, it's also fine to be like, look with, with the roster is currently constructed. They're going to have to play way over their heads to get to where the head coach wants them to be. Not you, not Johnny fan. Right? Not Dave Simone. (laughs) The head coach wants more success than Dave Simone does. I guarantee you that. I don't know. I don't ever want the other team to score a basket. So (laughs) the head coach doesn't either. (laughs) He understands that they're going to get a couple, but he under, like, he, he doesn't want that either. He wants to win every game 55 to nothing. Sure. But I, I just it, – it, it's a good conversation to have. It's a healthy conversation to have if you have it in context, right? When we have these conversations out of context, people lose their mind. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, it's it comes across as – it can come Power. across as harsh, but, like, right. I'm not saying these things – in a derogatory or mean way. like I know you're I, not. I, no, I know, but like people, you know, when you just say someone's not good enough, they take it like, oh, you, you know, you're being mean. I'm not being mean. I'm, I'm just like, I don't, you know, I'm, I, you know, I never played varsity basketball. I wasn't good enough. <laughs> you know, but like. So, you have so survived what? the meaning of I'm not good enough. So like, but so what? Like, this is. This is big time college athletics where coaches are making millions and we want to go to the NCAA tournament and we want to go far in the NCAA tournament. I want players that can get us there. Right. And if that means that 
some player on your team proves to not be good enough, that's okay. Like, it's, you know, and it's up to the coaches to identify those things so that those things happen few and far between. Now, obviously, we're in a, a unique situation where yeah. – Third you coach know, in four years. Like, so I don't it's expect it's not an admirable you know, spot for anybody. I wouldn't expect or anticipate this to happen more than this year. If it does, then that's a that's a Wes Miller problem, not a kid problem, because that means they're not identifying talent well. I still, I still like. What have we, in a lot of ways, learned about the transfer portal? The transfer portal is not a whole lot different than uh, junior college basketball. Back in the day when junior college right. basketball, like it takes for a lot of these guys, it takes two years. Right. But I mean, I'm talking about like where you're having to, on your own accord, do a roster turnover, not because like the players decided, like where you realize these guys aren't good enough. Yeah. You would hope but, that that yes. Because you look at it, the best teams, the ones that are perennially in the tournament, yes, they have transfers. Everybody has transfers. But those coaches are not flipping rosters every year or two because of they wouldn't be the tournament if those if the guys that they were identifying as as players weren't progressing the way that they would want them to. Right. Uh, Jason, if you would like information on Xavier, uh, musketeerreport.com. <laughs> I don't Here, know. I don't know. Tens and tens and tens of people reading that website right now, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, they're very busy right now. <laughs> they are <laughs> very busy right now. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, this one. Uh, is it more likely than not Sage won't be a big contributor into his junior year? I don't know until he shows up. That's a like unans- I, unanswerable question. Do I think it's probably going to take a year? Yeah. Do I know from there? No. Like I, I don't know how long. It, but what I know, he's seven foot. He can shoot, and he moves pretty well. Uh, in terms of like seven footers, those are good qualities to have. And it also takes them a and little it also longer. Did. If if it wasn't going to take him a little longer, he wouldn't he be, would going be going to, to Duke. <laughs> right. be going to Duke and declaring for the draft. Um, Ed, we're trying to run a serious podcast here. No, we're not. We've never really tried to run a serious podcast. All right, at least good. I had. All right, but I I don't have anything else. Do you? No, I think we've we've covered it. I I'm sorry to Urban Artifact. This is their first podcast. We had two timestamps. They are the timestamp sponsor. We usually have blame blame football. Yeah, we're we're getting to like we'll get back to uh, multiple conversations, multiple points of conversations next week when spring practice resumes, when the transfer portal is in full swing. (laughs) 
Like, there's going to be a lot to talk about. And when we don't have we don't have a guest, I'm sure at the end we'll we'll get into a, a Bengals thing, and that can be a timestamp. And right, like there's going to be a lot more timestamps. Tonight was two timestamps: John Cunningham, Bearcats basketball, because yeah. I, I I felt like that was what you guys wanted. Sure. So we gave it as Jalen Rose always says: give the people what they want and what they wanted was John Cunningham, who I thought was awesome. Like, I think that was the most con- candid conversation uh, we've had with John Cunningham. He gets better every time. And uh, I think that, I think it went great. So we, we just crossed, we're, we're crossing right now the two hour barrier, Dave. Uh, it, it's no longer a bit. If this was still a bit, I would have got out of here. 14 seconds ago and we would have been under two yeah, so hours we've, we've long we've long passed the bit <laughs> spit the bit if you will we did uh the bit was fun while it lasted but we got we got 31 people in here watching right now which i i think look i think the basketball discussion we had was as good a basketball discussion as we've had uh in a long time so i'm glad i, I could be a, I'm glad i could be a part of it i'm glad you were a part of it because you have a different perspective and I welcome a different perspective. I think we just need to like, the funny thing is when we talk it out, we're actually pretty much in the same place. We just come from different yeah. angles. But the reality is we think pretty much the same thing. We maybe just argue with each other about. Because we, <laughs> we know, know something. Right. <laughs> Not like personally, but yeah, maybe. Yeah, we... You know, it is what it is. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. Um, I, I, I've got to get up. I, I, the next two days are going to be rough for me. Uh, got to go meet with the oncologist tomorrow. Don't know what's next for Kelly. Hopefully it's good news. Fingers crossed. Then I got radio three to six tomorrow, three to six Friday. So if you want, join me on ESPN 1530. Uh, I'll be there during the afternoon, both days. And uh, we'll be back next week. Spring ca- practice gets uh, gets back rolling again. Transfer portal gets fired up. We've got a new sponsor, an urban artifact. I'm going to hit you with another urban artifact fact tonight, Dave. Okay, what's that? Urban artifact is the largest sour only brewery in the United States, and over 10 percent of the fruit used in making fruit beers nationwide. Goes to Urban Artifact. How do they know that? I don't know. I mean, I just I would like to know how they know that. I'd be, I'm interested to know. We've had we've had sponsors on before, like the, the representative for sponsors. I think they would know. This is how much fruit we use. How much fruit does everybody else use? Right? They said they. And I, I mentioned earlier they use seven hundred thousand pounds of real fruit every year in making their beers. So if you know what everybody else is using, then you know what your percentage is. So I guess what, that's 7 million? There's 7 million pounds of fruit used in brewing beer in America. And Urban Artifact has 10% of the market. It's a lot of fruit. It's a lot of fruit. (laughs) Thanks to Urban Artifact for joining the family. Super awesome to have them on board. Make sure you get down to their north side location, 1660 Blue Rock Street, 
open Wednesday through Sunday. Peaching Pizza Kitchen on site. Beers are sold online. Uh, make it happen. Support our new sponsors, Urban Artifact. Support our old sponsors, the Holy Grail, by getting down to the banks once this red season gets kicked off. He's yeah. Dave Simone. You'll probably need Jeff a lot Rendell. of beers at the Holy Grail to get through this red season. <clears throat> yeah, it's not gonna be a good one. I don't feel great, Dave. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yell and scream a lot about the Reds tomorrow on the radio. So we'll see how it goes. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. John Cunningham. Huge thank you for joining us. Uh, it was awesome to get that hour with John. And we'll see you next week with the BBP on Monday and the BCJ podcast uh, at some point in time. Monday, Marquise Copeland, Super Bowl champion, joins us. We're killing. We're killing the content game. It's the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.